Well, it's Christmas. It's Christmas Eve, and tomorrow is the big day. They tell us that it's the most wonderful time of the year. Clark Riswold says it's the hap-happiest time of the year. Is it? Is it truly, for you and for your family, the most wonderful time of the year? I kind of like Charlie Brown's honesty when he says in the Peanuts movie at Christmas, he's talking to Linus and he says, I think there must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. I just don't understand Christmas, I guess. I like getting the presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all that, but I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. How honest. You see, for some, it is the most wonderful time of the year, but for some of us, it just doesn't seem complete. We go through the Christmas season, we think this will be the best Christmas ever, and if we're really honest with ourselves, there just seems to be, at the end of all the parties and the dinners and the packages, it just seems, if we're truly honest, to be something missing, a void, that there's something empty in our lives. Well, the reality is, this evening, that until we understand the significance of what happened 2,000 years ago, if we understand the significance of why are you spending an hour of your time on Christmas Eve here at Coral Ridge tonight, until we understand the gravity of what happened, we'll never truly feel complete. So I want us to look at briefly this evening a passage in John 1. John is in the New Testament, and it's a, one of the what they call the Gospels. And it's in John that we don't find the typical Christmas account. There's no manger, and there's no Mary and Joseph. There's no wise men or sheep or cattle lowing. John doesn't go through the details of the physical birth of Jesus. What John wants to do here in this passage that we're going to read tonight is for us to understand, and maybe for the very first time tonight, the significance of Christmas. So if you've ever wondered, what is all this about? I pray that you would tune your heart and your ear to hear God's word as it's found in John chapter 1, a few select verses. It reads, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word here in John chapter 1 is in reference to Jesus himself. John goes on to say that he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and of truth. Amen. 
In him was life, John tells us, and this life was the light of men. There is darkness. What John is trying to tell us is there will be darkness in our lives. There will be confusion. There will be chaos in our lives until we meet the light of life, until the light of life breaks in as he broke into this world 2,000 years ago. Forever in your life there will be confusion. So what is so significant about Christmas? What is so significant about a child being born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago? I want us to look at one verse tonight, one verse only. I want us to look at that one verse that I read in verse 14. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us because it is that verse in my opinion, that tells us all that we need to know about the significance of Christmas, the significance of what happened 2,000 years ago. It's in that one verse, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that I pray you are able to leave here tonight knowing maybe for the very first time, this is truly what Christmas is all about. The first thing that we see, this idea of the Word becoming flesh, if, if the Word is in reference to Jesus, we are told that God Himself, Jesus, the Son of God, became flesh. We are told that the significance of Christmas is this, that God, who seems so far away, who seems so distant, the God who seems so ethereal, in a moment, became visible, became real. What seemed so hard to comprehend, what seemed so impossible for our minds to grasp, that there is a God out there that created the heavens and the earth and that created me 2,000 years ago, this God, it says, became flesh. He became real. He became tangible. He became vulnerable. He became like you and like me. The God who could not be seen, the invisible God became what? Became visible to the naked eye. It is the God that we, that the people longed for. Now they can behold. And it's often that you hear, you might hear it, especially this time of year, you might even be saying it to yourself, that I'm just slightly skeptical of Christianity. And you might be sitting there tonight going, this whole Christmas thing, this whole idea about Jesus Christ being born 2,000 years ago when he was the Son of God, I, I just wish Christianity would give me a, a concrete argument, a clear and rational and logical argument. If God would just present to me a logical argument, then I'd believe it. I know it. I know some of you sit out there tonight and go, if it was clear and logical and rational, then I might buy this thing called Christianity. Well, guess what the word means? It's in reference to Jesus, but do you know what the original word, word means here in John chapter one? It means logic. And so what John is trying to tell us is that at Christmas time, God does not just give us an argument. He comes himself, the epitome and the essence of logic and truth and rationale and meaning and purpose and clarity of life comes in the form of a child by the name of Jesus Christ. And what this also tells us, that if we choose to live our lives disconnected from Jesus, we should not wonder why we walk through life wondering, why did this happen to me? 
How did my life turn out this way? How could this be or how could this happen? I'm here tonight to tell you that your life will forever lack meaning and purpose and clarity and logic and truth until you encounter the one that came 2,000 years ago, the epitome of truth, the God who became man to become like us, vulnerable. I hope you hear that tonight. I hope you hear that life is hard enough, but it will be incredibly hard until you meet the one who was born 2,000 years ago. At Christmas, God became real. He became visible in Jesus. But not only does verse 14 tell us that he became real and visible, that the word became flesh, it also tells us that it dwelt among us. That word dwelt there means tabernacle. What's a tabernacle? A tabernacle in the Old Testament was a place where God met with man, where God and humanity could meet together. You see, all throughout the Bible, it tells us that, that we are separated from God because of sin. Because of everything in our lives, we have been separated from God. And so God created what was known as a tabernacle in the Old Testament so that humanity could be connected with God. But at Christmas time, we are told that the permanent tabernacle has arrived. That no longer does a, a place have to be built with human hands for people to meet with God, but that God has come down himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus that finally and once and for all that we can be connected with God. You see, the significance of Christmas tells us this, that there is no more gap, that there is no more wall, that there is no more obstacle getting in between us and God, that because of Jesus, we can be connected with God forever because the permanent tabernacle not only gives us access to God, but he does what? This man who was born 2,000 years ago would eventually end his life for you and for me. You see, it is Jesus Christ himself who erases the gap by laying down his life so that we might live forever. You see, all leaders say this, you will serve me. But it is only Jesus who, is, who comes and he comes down from heaven and exchanges his glory for our burdens and for our sin and says to us, and says to us even tonight, that you do not serve me, but I serve you. And I'll show you how much I'm willing to serve you by laying down my life so that you might live. And see, here's the reality. The reason Christmas for some of us seems so empty, the reason Christmas doesn't ever seem to meet expectations is because we have not encountered the one who fills the emptiness once and for all. And until we meet the one Jesus Christ who erases the gap and fills the void and fills the emptiness, we will always go through life wondering, maybe next year is the year. A God who comes down and takes your place. You can trust a God like that. So I ask you this question tonight. If all this is true, 
that God became real, that God became visible, that God became vulnerable, that God came down to lay down his life for us. How do you get it? How do you get this Jesus? How do you get this one that will fill the void, that will fill the gap forever? Well, the answer is found back in verse 12. Verse 12 tells us simply, but to all who did receive him, meaning Jesus, who believed in his name, he gives them the right to be called children of God. You see, the good news of Christmas is that there is a reunion that happens. And no longer do we have to go through life wondering how will we justify ourselves? How will we justify our existence? How will we climb our way back to God? The good news of Christmas is that God says, enough, I come down. You don't come to me. I come down to you. And you might be sitting there tonight saying, Pastor, but you you have no idea what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You have no idea what I'm even thinking right now. And you know what? It doesn't matter. Because God says it's not up to you. You don't have the right and you never will have the right to choose God. God says, I do it for you. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. The good news of Christmas tonight, it tells us that God has the right and God alone has the right to call you son, to call you daughter, all because of Jesus and what he's earned for you. Jesus earns the right. And Jesus and Jesus alone through his perfect life and his death and his resurrection from the dead, it is through Jesus and Jesus alone that has secured your right tonight to be called a son, to be called a daughter. You don't have to climb your way back. God comes down. And he says to you tonight, I want you to be in my family. The invitation's offered to you tonight. You might have heard the story of the prodigal son, but came across the story of the prodigal daughter. It says that the prodigal daughter grew up in Traverse City, Michigan. She was disgusted with her old-fashioned parents who seemed to overact to everything. And so she decided to run away. She ended up in Detroit living her life her own way. She could now do whatever she wanted. New friends, new lifestyle. Things seemed really good for a while. She ends up, unfortunately, in the wrong crowd. Makes a few poor decisions and before she knows it, she's out on the street without a penny to her name. And one night, while sleeping on the metal grates of the city, she begins to feel less like a woman of the world and more like a little girl. She begins to whimper, God, why did you leave me? My dog back at home eats better than I do. She knows that more than anything in the world, she just wants to go home. Three straight calls with no connection, and she simply gets the answering machine. Finally, she leaves a message and she says, Mom, Dad, it's, it's me. I'm catching a bus. I'm coming your way. I want to come home. And I'll get there around midnight tomorrow. But if you're not there, I understand. During the seven-hour bus ride to Traverse City, she's preparing a speech for her father. All the excuses and all the apologies. How would she 
confront her father. And when the bus comes to a stop in the Traverse City Station, the driver announces the 15-minute stop. 15 minutes to decide her life. She walks into the terminal, not knowing what to expect. But not one of the thousands of scenes that played out in her mind prepares her for what she is about to see. Because there in the bus terminal in Traverse City, Michigan, stands a group of 40 brothers and sisters, great aunts and uncles, cousins, a grandmother and great-grandmother to boot. They're wearing goofy party hats, blowing noisemakers, and taped across the entire wall of the terminal is a computer-generated banner that reads, Welcome home. And out of the crowd of well-wishers breaks her dad. She stares out through the tears quivering in her eyes and begins her memorized speech. But he interrupts her. He says, hush, child. We got no time for that. No time for apologies. We're going to be late. There's a big party that awaits for you at home. You see, that's not just a feel-good story. That's Christmas. You see, at Christmas, you have a father that says you can come home because of Jesus. That's why Jesus came, so that you might be invited into the family of God. And I ask you tonight, do you know him? Do you know this Jesus who lived and died so that you could live forever? The invitation is extended to you tonight. How simple. Whoever believes in him, God, God, gives them the right to be called a child of God.